Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 71. As you look into the future, what do you see? Do you see things uh, that you would like to change or things that you'd like to make better? And if so, you're not alone because we all have these same hopes. We all want a better future. But whatever does or doesn't happen, we can be confident that if we put our hope in God, we can be confident that there is a good future for our lives. So in our Bible passages for today, we see how we can put our confidence in God for the future. What does the future hold in store for you? Futurologists predict what will happen in the future. For example, it's been predicted that some babies born today will live to the age of 150. Some of their predictions may come true, others may not. In 1962, Decca Recording Company rejected the Beatles. They said, we don't like their sound, and guitar music is on the way out. In 1977, Ken Olsen, chairman of Digital Equipment Company, said, there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. There are certain things about the future we don't know, and that we're not supposed to know. However, there are other things you can know about the future and that make a real difference to your life now. Today, we see three reasons why, if you put your trust in the Lord, you can be confident about your future. From Psalm 33 For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. The plans of the Lord. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. God has plans. God has a good plan for your life. He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The psalmist's confidence about the future comes from looking back on the past. He reflects on what God has done through the word of the Lord. As we read this psalm through the lens of the New Testament, we see that it is through Jesus, the word of God, that the whole world came into being. He is the one who is the source of all that is right and true. He is faithful. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. It's on this basis that the psalmist can be confident that the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Governments and people make plans. These may fail, yet you can be confident in God's good plans for you and for your life. The appropriate response to all this is worship, to sing joyfully to the Lord and praise him with different instruments, to write new songs, to use every musical skill and ability and even make lots of noise, shouts of joy. Lord, thank you that you have good plans for me. Thank you that you are in ultimate control of history, the future and my life. New Testament from Mark 16 When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, 
they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will place their hands on people who are ill, and they will get well. The Power of the Resurrection The resurrection of Jesus did actually happen. When the women arrived at the tomb, they saw the huge stone, which had been blocking the entrance, rolled back. Jesus had been raised up. He was no longer there. They saw for themselves that the tomb was empty. Jesus repeatedly liberated and affirmed women, treating men and women as equals. Women were the last at the cross and the first at the tomb, the first to be entrusted with the news of the resurrection of Jesus. It is significant that the first witnesses of the resurrection recorded in all the Gospels were women. Women's testimonies were widely seen as unreliable. In most Jewish courts, it was not even allowed. Yet in appearing first to them, Jesus affirms the importance and role of women in his new community. This also gives the story the ring of truth of an eyewitness account. The early church would never have invented this feature of the story. The fact is that the resurrection was, initially, as unbelievable for the first disciples as it is for many today. When other disciples were told of Jesus' resurrection, they did not believe until they saw the risen Jesus for themselves. Yet when they witnessed his resurrection, either at the tomb or in one of the many subsequent resurrection appearances of Jesus, their lives were transformed. They moved from fear to faith, from alarm to action and from despair to hope. As a result of the resurrection, you can face the future with confidence. First, confident about your eternal future. This life is not the end. There is life beyond the grave. As Jesus was raised from the dead, so in Christ you will be raised with him. As Tim Keller writes, Why is it so hard to do the right thing if you know it's going to cost your money, reputation, maybe even your life. Why is it so hard to face your own death or the death of loved ones? It's so hard because we think this broken world is the only world we're ever going to have. But if Jesus is risen, then your future is so much more beautiful and so much more certain than that. Second, confident about your future life. Jesus is alive. He is with you as you go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You, like the disciples, are commissioned to go out and preach the good news to the whole world. You can be confident that God's power will be with you. You can expect powerful signs to accompany your message, driving out demons, speaking in tongues, and healing the sick. This is what occurred, and this is what we should expect today. Healing, for example, is not confined to those who have the special gift of healing. 
but is for all who believe. It is God who heals, but he involves you in his plans. The Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. There are a variety of models in the New Testament, but they are always simple. Healing comes in Jesus' name. The most common model is the one Jesus speaks of here. The laying on of hands. They will place their hands on people who are ill and they will get well. Thank you, Lord, for the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you that I can face the future with hope and confidence because you are alive and with me. Old Testament from Leviticus 25 and 26 If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest, when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. The promises of God. Although you cannot know the details of the future, you can be assured of God's blessing on your future. In chapter 26, God promises that if you obey him, you will enjoy fruit, satisfaction, safety, peace, no fear, growth, the presence of the Lord, and confidence to walk with heads held high. God says, if you live by my decrees, you'll have a place of peace. You'll be able to go to sleep at night without fear. I'll make you prosper, grow in numbers. I am God, your personal God. I ripped off the harness of your slavery so that you can move about freely. This is God's long-term plan for your future. You will face trials and difficulties in this life as you seek to obey God. But through Jesus, you can enjoy some of these blessings even now. In chapter 25, we see some of the things that we need to do in order to obey God. Some of these, of course, are specific to ancient Israel, but some apply for all time. I love what Joyce Meyer writes about the year of Jubilee, in which all debts are forgiven and all debtors were pardoned and set free. In Christ, every day can be a year of jubilee. We can have our own sins forgiven continually through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We can enjoy a continual year of jubilee. Our trouble is that either we are trying to pay our debt to the Lord or that we're still trying to collect debts from others. Just as God cancelled our debt and forgave us, so we can cancel the debts of others and forgive them what they owe us. The key to this chapter is do not take advantage of each other. It's not enough to be honest. We must also be considerate. This is radically different from the world's view. The world admires a person who makes money, however ruthlessly. They may be successful in one sense, but God cares about how we treat others more than how much we own, and he cares especially about how we treat the poor. We're only stewards. The Lord says, the land is mine. You reside as foreigners and strangers. This is how we should regard property and possessions. They belong to God. They're on loan to you. God was teaching his people that there is no such thing as permanent wealth. You own 
what you own for a season. It's only God who owns them permanently. Thank you, Lord, for all your promises of blessing. Thank you that you have a long-term plan for my future. Thank you that one day I will be raised with Christ to full and eternal life. Pepper adds, In Leviticus 26, verse 13b, it says, I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with your head held high. There are so many things in life that weigh heavily upon us. Here, God's promise is to break the power that has bound us and set us free. A few years ago at an Alpha weekend, a young woman came up to me and said that her fear had gone and a weight had been lifted. She looked radiant. Let's pray about the future today and we'll leave some silence at the end for you to pray your own prayers about what you want in your future and the future of this world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have good plans for me. Thank you that I can trust in you forever and that no one can make me afraid. Lord, I pray for my future now and I pray your will be done and your kingdom come.